I want to start, uh, I, I borrowed this title, um, I'm, I'm not plagiarizing, but the great Archbishop Charles Chaput, 12 years ago, he published a, uh, an article that received some notice in First Things magazine, and it was called Catholics in the Next America. And I just want to read you from that article, uh, because this is 12 years ago. He said, quote, traditionally, religious faith has provided the basis for Americans' moral consensus, and that moral consensus has informed American social policy and law. What people believe or don't believe about God helps to shape what they believe about men and women, and what they believe about men and women creates the framework for a nation's public life. I mean, this is almost quaint, but it's also prescient. He said, if government now pressures religious entities out of the public square or promotes same-sex marriage or acts in ways that undermine the integrity of the family or compromises the sanctity of human life or overrides the will of voters or discourages certain forms of religious teaching as hate speech or interferes with individual and communal rights of conscience, well, why not? In the name of tolerance and pluralism, we have forgotten why and how we began as a nation, and we have undermined our ability to ground our arguments in anything higher than our own sectarian opinions. He predicted, again quote, that in the coming decades, Catholics will likely find it harder, not easier, to influence the course of American culture, or even to live their faith authentically. And the big difference, he said, between the next America and the old one will be that plenty of other committed religious believers may find themselves in the same unpleasant jam as their Catholic cousins uh, had, have been in as a religious minority in the past. Uh, obviously, he was right. We live in this next America now. And Catholics, even and maybe especially uh, conservative Catholics, uh, need, need to wake up to, to this fact in, uh, you know, they are awake, but in, in, a certain, in a certain way that I'll talk about in this talk. So the next, next America is not going to leave any room for dissent from wokeness or a militant transhumanist state, which every day is, is progressing, and we see it in the headlines. So this means our focus and the type of leadership we need has changed. Uh, in the prior era, era, it was much truer that to work within the present system was possible, uh, there were many successes in doing this, I think notably uh, certain of the Catholics on the Supreme Court who we should praise, uh, this has gone unremarked, praise for their bravery in some of the decisions of late. Uh, that's not something to, to scoff at. Uh, notice I said certain Catholics on the court. Um, but but that was, that's an enormous success. Uh, we, we have achieved success. But 12 years ago, Chaput's point was, you made it. And now everyone still hates you. <laughs> and that's where we find ourselves uh, today. Um, so so what, what's needed now, and I think uh, a lot of people here agree with this, are new ecosystems, new systems, uh, as well as working within established, the established order, which of course is not in very good shape. And we would need those new systems even in order to be able to study, argue, think, never mind win back this nation in some way. The kinds of, of talks you've just heard are born of experience. They're also born of people having space to think about these things, right? Uh, and that's incredibly important now when we're under assault. So look, what I'm about to say is just to get into a little bit of where my headspace is, where my attitude is right now. Uh, and I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm not talking about this conference. I'm praising this conference. I'm talking about the, the kind of move, though, that I see in my own self uh, lately. I do not want to downplay 
uh, the importance of ideas at all. Um, look, I studied uh, political philosophy in American government. I'm very grateful to have received a rich and classical Catholic great books education. I was taught by thinkers like Harry Jaffa and, and students of Leo Strauss on one hand, and the students of Charles de Koenig, uh, you know, strict Thomas, Thomas of the strictest observance uh, on the other, whose work inspired the likes of uh, the integralists and others, his, his stuff on the common good. Uh, ideas matter, ideas are important. But we're now at the precipice of this next, next America, and I think very clearly this is a time for action. So, yeah, so I, I do get a little tired of, of hearing from people who have probably never been to a little league game or seen the inside of a conservative Protestant church in red state America, talk to me about how some combination of John Locke and Thomas Jefferson somehow led her kids into gay bars to watch drag queen catwalks. Um, you know, I, I'm also tired of hearing par ar people argue about what conservatism is. I want to hear what conservatism does. I want to know how to stop kids being butchered in the hospital next door, right? Uh, I'm also tired uh, of hearing from people in the face of, you know, reality, the obvious denial of the daily headlines telling me that modern liberalism is good, actually, and we can make it so again if we just write the right op-eds in the non-existent free market of ideas. Um, all of that, done. Now, now, I think what's happening, though, we shouldn't, we shouldn't make light of what's happening with ideas. Some very interesting things are happening. We can argue about the best regime form, as philosophers have for millennia. We should. That's a vital debate in any time or place, especially when regime forms are changing or are up for grabs. We can argue about the best arrangement between church and state, what that is and what it should be. The entire history in some way of the Western world is, is the struggle of Christianity to figure out what that relationship between church and state should be. But I suspect that we're not going to easily resolve the theological political problem and all its open questions in our lifetimes with magic formulas from any one side. I also don't know what to do about the institutional church, so I have to leave it out here. It's above my pay grade. <laughs> thankfully. Uh, like many I know, uh, uh, for better or worse, all I expect from the church at this point is the sacraments, maybe. <laughs> uh, that's a sad commentary on where we're at, maybe. Uh, and, and for you Protestants, don't, don't think you're exempt from this. Uh, anyone who's dealt with mainline Protestantism knows, feels, feels our pain. Um, but I, 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 maybe others can fight that fight. I suspect, actually, that we're entering a period in which we will witness the rise of, of new orders and even uh, unlooked-for revivals. But I don't want to speculate that. It's outside of my control, um, and I don't want to speculate on it in this talk. What's clear to me is that we're in a moment when America needs to be reformed, revitalized, uh, refounded. There's lots to argue about when it comes to what that should look like. But what I'm interested in is, is this. There is clearly a momentous political, popular, commercial, cultural shift that's now underway that is forcing everyone to re-examine their fundamental assumptions. There's a kind of a ferment, you know, under the, under the scene. You see it here. It's really interesting. Like people have really interesting ideas. They're little subgroups arguing about these things. But, but there's something that's, that's practical that's happening, too. I think the geographic, digital, and financial movement of millions of people and billions of dollars out from under the control of woke states, woke digital technology, and woke corporations and capital has already begun. And I'm concerned with one thing and one thing only, and that's providing a compelling moral vision and clearing the path for an attainable, more human, American way of life in the 21st century that's worthy of the name.
That's what we need to do. And if we're going to consider how this might be possible, given everything that's arrayed against us, I think Catholics and Christians need to consider their own history, but they've forgotten this part of it. Um, so as, as has been said, hinted at on this panel, has been said earlier in this, in this conference, there's a history of another religious tradition that's well represented here that's had to learn how to keep itself intact as a persecuted religious minority throughout the centuries. And that model is increasingly the model available to all of us if we want ourselves and our children to have a shot at a decent way of life in the 21st century. This means that we have to increasingly band together, digitally, geographically, and otherwise. Uh, in my mind, the woke revolution has already taken place. So just as in business, shareholders and market demand didn't prevent its victory, nor will they roll it back on their own, the same is true in our culture writ large. So what's needed is a compelling, alternative, moral vision of a way of life. That's the only way to defeat our new civic religion. Now, Catholicism. How do we relate these things? No one at this conference, I'm guessing, still believes the laughable lie that the social justice doctrine of the Catholic Church is any longer represented by the radical ideologies that dominate our elite institutions, you know, never mind the Democratic Party. The workers, yeah. Uh, but there's plenty of work that needs to be done in making that case within the Catholic world still. Um, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, there's a problem of application. In any event, the dogma of woke capital is now the enforced norm in elite society. Any public deviation uh, isn't tolerated, and so we need this alternative vision. Now, in the past, it has been enough to be neutral for Catholics because they were trying to make it through the system, right? Uh, but at this point, neutrality is not enough. Uh, Catholics aren't going to survive any more than businesses will by declaring themselves neutral because the other side, uh, both woke capital and its priesthood, its theology and the temples of academia, considers any declaration of neutrality to be an act of defiance and attacks you accordingly. Being, you know, anti the culture is not enough. Merely reacting is a weak defense against, again, what is in a, a comprehensive moral vision of a total way of life. And so this is where the, the richness, the depth of actual Catholic social doctrine comes into play to present this compelling moral vision, the true compelling moral vision uh, to which I think a lot of, uh, there's a broad coalition that wants to align. So uh, if you think about the, the importance of this, I mean, I'll, I, a lot of you know this, but I, I just, it needs to be said. It can't be said enough. Um, you're not going to win by neutrality. You can't keep politics out of business. Uh, you know, that's not, not going to happen. Uh, it was never really true. We just agreed on the basic principles and purposes. So what ESG, social justice, identity politics provides to our society, a society that's starving for meaning, starving for purpose, is an ethical system of justice and injustice, right and wrong, virtue and vice that gives meaning and purpose to all commercial and cultural enterprises, right, as well as the academy and politics. So, of course it does, because all human communities and markets revolved around a shared notion of justice. And, uh, you know, one way of putting it for, uh, for woke doctrine is that all inequalities uh, between a continually changing array of racial, sexual, and other identities, quote-unquote, is caused by unjust oppression. The identity groups take precedent over all other human communities, from business to families and nations, and the force of law, along with all managerial authority and financial leverage, must be applied to slice through any obstacle to equalizing this ever-changing array of identities. So in short, the understanding of human nature, our identity as humans, 
that is currently on offer by the transhumanist or secularized elites or woke radicals is directly opposed to the understanding of the Roman Catholic Church, no matter how many are tempted to twist it towards the evil spirits of our age. Now, the effect of this is twofold. The effect of equity as uh, the concept of justice that drives a modern society. First, human beings are atomized, cut off from the communities that normally shape healthy behavior and hone talent. Second, human excellence and virtue are erased as goals or standards in business and culture. Now, obviously, I shouldn't even have to say this, but we do. There's a rich well of Catholic thought and action and examples of organized action that could potentially contribute to that fight by directly addressing those two evils or at least fending them off for communities of people that are trying to live in a more human manner. So we have to reassert human excellence. And it should uh, encourage us, I won't uh, shame possibly if we're not doing our part, but it should encourage us that explaining, showing, promoting, protecting virtues and habits that lead to health, happiness, and fulfillment, this is already happening even in the business world. I mean, as Vivek Ramaswamy suggests frequently, excellence is an alternative right, to what's being put on offer when it comes to, to equity. Um, that, that means promoting human virtues that make us healthy and happy. Uh, significant figures, multiple figures in business have told me privately that they will teach what virtue is uh, to younger people because they know they have no concept of what those things are. I mean, the entire framework by which they've been taught, right, they, they don't understand what virtue is or means. And as it turns out, that will really help you be successful <laughs> in life, right? Uh, and, and so, so that, should, that should embolden those who are part of the Catholic tradition. Uh, we, should be, we should be teaching this. We should be preaching this nonstop. Um, you know, you see this also with, uh, with Mark Andreessen, uh, Catherine Boyle, A16Z, promoting uh, American dynamism, I think is the phrase for it. Uh, but, but the kinds of things they're saying are adjacent. They're flirting with a kind of ethical system that really should be coming from, uh, from us. To address um, atomization, we'd have to reconnect to family and citizenship, or at least regional communities, as Emil was talking about. And, and there, too, you can see an easy place um, for uh, the church, both institutionally and informally, uh, to start banding people together in ways that matter. And you already see this happening throughout the country. A lot of people would not be moving from blue states to red states unless they already knew of a community there that was, you know, had everything they needed, had the actual schools they needed, had the, you know, all the, all the parts that you need in a community for a meaningful uh, way of life. So this, this kind of thing is, you see it all over our culture, and I, I, um, I, I think we have to really kick ourselves and our friends in the pants a little bit and, and ask ourselves, why are these other people saying these things when we have this ritual to draw from, and who's holding up? Who's the, what's the obstacle stopping the water from flowing? I mean, I love what Tucker Carlson says about the family. When, he, when Tucker Carlson starts talking about the family, it's some of those powerful stuff coming from any thinker today. People can laugh at me all they want. It's, it's incredibly powerful stuff. I'd like to hear that from the pulpit. You know, I'd like to hear that from professors. I'd like to hear that from popular authors. I mean, that guy's an Episcopalian, but clearly one, only, one of the only good ones. You know? um, so, uh, so in general, you know, banding together on these fronts is where I see 
the, the church providing you know, value, as they'd say in business. Uh, but there's a second part to this that I think is really important. It's sort of what this conference is all about. And that is thinking practically about how we do that. Uh, you know, how do we win? We've got to band together. We have to forge a path to live a decent way of life together in America today. Uh, as was said earlier um, by uh, Dan, who's here, uh, look, we have to um, acknowledge that we're not the majority in America, obviously. So who do we band together with? In America, you know, the frontier is always with us in some way. So you can take the black bill, you can become a doomer and say it's all over, but we can carve out new frontiers here and now. We can think more boldly about how to do this. People at this conference are thinking about that. The demand is there. The people want it, uh, whether you're thinking politically or culturally. We have the people. We have the demand. And we have many allies. Uh, and, and here is where I think everybody should think positively. I think there's four constituencies, and I'm going to end with this, um, just in case you're in the doldrums of the afternoon in the last talk uh, you have to listen to. We're almost there. Um, there's four groups that wish to join such an effort. And I think we need to think more carefully about this, and this is where I just, I, I just don't like the isms and istics arguing because we have work to do. We have an actual coalition to build, uh, and you know, we, have a, we have a destination to get to, to actually live a better life while we're alive with the kids you know, that we have and the families we have. Um, so first, there's, there's Christians and others who hold to traditional morality in some form. Um, I'd think, I think increasingly these are people who see what we're doing as necessary for their own survival. Um, but it's also a higher calling. It's also something that all of us uh, can unify around um, this notion of the city on the hill, which ultimately comes from the New Testament. The city on the hill uh, can't be hid. I mean, it's, it's right there. He's talking about salt in, that, in those passages, uh, salt of the world, and how light under a bushel and a city on a hill. Your duty is to build that city. Your duty is to band together and live that way. So it's not just survival. It's also about providing an example uh, together for the rest of the country. So that part we've already really talked about. Second, um, there are elites or aspiring elites in the good sense, uh, people who still care about excellence, who increasingly are upset by what's going on and all of a sudden realizing that maybe some of these uh, Catholics, Jews, and Protestants aren't so bad. Uh, nowhere is this better seen visually than in the discussion that Elon Musk had on the Babylon Bee. Here's the richest man in the world talking to a bunch of Protestants goofing around on a podcast the same richest man in the world who only gave one line to the Washington Post, which was, give my regards to your puppet master. Uh, and he gave a long period of time uh, to our friends at the Babylon Bee. That's really interesting. That's the same kind of alliance that uh, Tommy Jefferson uh, had with uh, Christians at the time. I don't believe, he said, he must have said this, I don't, if Jesus is saving people, that's great. But that doctrine of forgiveness, that's powerful stuff. That's pretty important, right? That's the kind of alliance you're going to see as people realize that this other thing is, is, uh, is disintegrating civilization. And then really quickly, third, you have younger people who realize that they grew up in some kind of dystopia, and all of a sudden, all the arguments about the natural law they made for a long time, they were actually true. The funny thing is, you didn't have to read any of it to know they were true. You just had to be 22 right now and look around and go, this is terrible. <laughs> And those people are ready to hear the good word. Uh, they are ready to join something meaningful and do something. And then fourth, you'd have, and this is where the real, the real uh, 
uh, you know, debate is, you have what I call the Joe Rogan listeners, kind of libertarianish, small-l Americans who are kind of like, I don't know what this stuff is, it's kind of weird, leave me the hell alone. I don't really agree with all your religious beliefs, but I want to get away from that. And those are the people that are up for grabs. Um, okay, so I'll end there. I just, I just, um, I just think that um, we have a lot of work to do along the lines that I just described. And uh, we have a long, long days of work uh, before us in different ways. And at the end of those long days, we can continue to argue about the isms and istics over dinner and drinks as we go. Thanks. <laughs>